Hey everyone, it's Michelle. And Brayden. And this is Spooky Shit. This week we're going to be talking about LGBTQIA plus murders again. And then I will start and talk about the murder of Jason Gage. And then I'll talk about the murders of Laura Winans and Julianne Williams. Warning. This episode may contain graphic details. Listener discretion is advised. But first things first, how you doing? I'm good. I'm actually really tired. <laughs> oh, wow. Who would have first seen this? <laughs> uh, what? What? I'm tired? That's crazy. <laughs> I have a question for you. Okay. I saw you were at Disneyland for grad night. Who's yes. graduation? Nobody's. Oh, pff, I was tripping. I was like, he didn't graduate, did he? He's talking about he's supposed to be a senior. I was so confused. <laughs> okay, what? Well, yeah, I went on Thursday night. Basically, usually in California, like in SoCal especially, after mm-hmm. you graduate high school, you get to go. I mean, they usually choose between like Six Flags or like Nods, depending on what school you go to. Yeah, but, those are our two big amusement parks down here. Yeah, or Disneyland. And when I graduated high school, we did have a grad night, and it was at Disneyland. But we always talk about, like, how much fun it was and, like, you know, how we wish we could go again. And basically, Disney had this night. I don't know if you know, but Disney has, like, after-night events. Yeah. Like I know randomly. they did like Star Wars ones in the past where people yeah. are allowed to dress up. Usually you're not, actually not allowed to dress up. It's really weird. Yeah. Well, I mean, usually like I know people know mostly just about the Halloween one. Mm-hmm. Like the Boogie yeah, Boogie if Bash. You're over the age of like 13, you're not allowed to dress up or something like that. You can dress up. You just can't oh. like wear costumes. You can't. Yeah, you can't dress up as characters from Disney. Well, you can, but then you can't take pictures with those characters. Oh, during the events? Yeah. Yeah. Because like, they don't you want... You can dress up as Mickey, but you can't, like, go take a picture with Mickey. Yeah. They don't want you representing Disneyland and people taking pictures with you, basically. Yeah. Because you, you could, could just dress be, up. like... You could be dressed up as Mickey Mouse, like, and just, like, flipping off the camera in every picture, and people would be like, oh, my God, can you believe this Disney employee? Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, a liability for them. But, so, yeah, they do have that, like, I know during february like they usually have like a lover's one or something like that oh that's cute but yeah basically we as soon as we found out about it we were like oh my god we should go and we told uh alaris's like cousins because they're usually like pretty down to go Mm -hmm. and yeah they like were like yeah for sure they got their tickets it was originally just gonna be us four and then we told my mom about it and my brother my brother works now and my sister, they're both like brick now, so they have their own money. And they were like, hell yeah. And my mom didn't <laughs> want to go because she doesn't really have money. Uh-huh. So my brother was like, I'll pay for your ticket, mom. Oh, and that's I was so sweet. Like, cool. And so, yeah, he bought his ticket and my mom's. And then my sister was supposedly going to work that day, so she wasn't going to go. Mm-hmm. And then we went over to, for Father's Day, we went over to my aunt's house. Because it was kind of like Father's Day slash like an early celebration of my cousin's birthday. Nice. Okay. And yeah, we were there celebrating and we like told her about it. Um, Well, actually, she brought it up because she was debating on going 
to Disneyland with her with her fiance on Thursday. Oh um, shit! Because she the works. Day you were going? Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> um, she she's a nurse, so she was gonna work on her actual birthday, which was Wednesday. Okay. But she was like telling us how she's like debating on going to Disneyland on Thursday. Okay. Like, and then we were like, oh my god, like we're going. Well, it's only a California Adventure, but like we're going. And so we were telling her like, if you go, if you do go, I was like, go to Disneyland in the morning all day, and then because like Grand Night is a, it was a separate event, so you had to like pay separately for it. Yeah, I was gonna ask if it costs like extra money. I mean, it was like one fifty. I guess sometimes the prices go up to one fifty, but they're usually a little lower, right, per day. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know. I have a season pass now. Thank God. <laughs> no, I think per day it's like I'm pretty sure it's like one something, like seventy, Ew. and then park we, hopper I know is like two something. I'm probably thinking of like the passes we bought for days, like pre-COVID, before they raised the price of everything again. Yeah, because Disney was... loves every year to raise the prices. <laughs> yeah, because park hopper before was only like one eighty, and now it went up to like two something, and now. Just for one park, it's like 180 and you need a reservation. They're annoying. They don't need to keep raising their prices. They make so much money. Apparently not. They could charge us like $5 and they'd still make enough money to operate based on like all the food and merch money that they get. Then they would probably be very packed. (sighs) But still. I don't know. I missed missed whenever uh, they first reopened after COVID and they had limits on how many people could go. That was Mm. actually so fucking nice. It was nice because like. You can get on everything. Yeah, you could for the first time ever. But you only went for a night then? Mm-hmm. And so, for grad night, you don't have to like prove that you graduated. You could just say, no, like, no. oh, I'm going to this event. Okay. It was like open to anybody. You just. Oh, cool. They just scan your tickets and give you like a wristband and a lanyard. Um, oh, cute. But yeah, basically, the event was technically from 8 to 12, mm-hmm. but they let you enter the park at 5. Oh, that's pretty good. That's like seven hours. Yeah, so it was an early entry. So we, I left school early that day because I was like, we should be there by five, like, to (laughs) make the most out of it. Oh, but yeah, on Sunday, talking to my cousin, we were like telling them about it, and I told her brother too, and I was like, you know, we should all go, make it like a big group thing. Yeah. And then my cousin from Mexico is actually staying with my aunt right now because um, mm-hmm. she's actually like working over here nice so yeah we like invited her too and she was like oh yeah like i'm down and so yeah we all they all bought their tickets and then on thursday like all my cousins and her fiance went in one car and then like the rest of us i feel like you um, so quickly got such a big group to commit to going to disneyland yeah we did I it admire was crazy you for that <laughs> it was crazy we were like yo because usually usually it's like never happens that smoothly and yeah then, there's always a few people who are like well i won't know till the day of and shit like yeah, that <laughs> yeah. well yeah like my sister she was supposed to work and then she was literally getting ready for work when she texted her manager like asking and they were like oh we got some we got someone to Aww, cover you. and so she so literally nice. like i literally like had just gotten home and i was like oh like here let me like buy it for you and you could send me the money that is so and, dope but yeah, so she ended up going, and it was it was really fun. Nice. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. We got on like basically everything. Hell yeah! And 
then at the end of the night we were like at a one of the dj stages and it was pretty lit i posted a little bit on my snap um, I'm not sure if I saw it. Damn it! I saw okay. I saw a couple things of you being like, "We graduated," and I was like, "What the fuck is he talking about?" <laughs> I was so confused. But I knew we we're gonna record in a few days, and I was like, "I'm just gonna wait." <laughs> yeah, I was just like, well, I think I said like, "Oh, we graduated." I was like, "Barely, but we graduated." I was telling Robert about the next day, and I was like, "He keeps posting saying he graduated," but I'm like, "He's not even a senior yet." Like, what? I'm so good. Did he graduate? Is did he no. mean he's a senior now? I don't get it. I was saying it very literally. I thought you were serious. No, no, no. It's funny because my sister's like a junior. She's barely going to be a senior. And we were oh. all like joking around. Because <laughs> we, like, we have all technically graduated like, yeah. from high school and stuff. And we were like basically making fun of her because we were like, why are you here? You haven't graduated. <laughs> You're like, it doesn't matter that I graduated eight years ago. This is still my night. <laughs> right. But yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, we got on everything. We, like, stayed until, like, midnight. Um, yeah, that sounds so fun. The only thing we didn't get to do is actually, like, go through the shops. Oh, really? Because they closed on us. Oh, were, the, were all the food places closing, too? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's because we literally didn't leave until, like, after 12. We started yeah. making our way, like, towards the exit. And, like, there was literally, like, a an employee, like, at every door. So you couldn't go in. They were like, get the fuck out of here. I want to go home. Yeah. We were like, oh, shit. And then we tried to go to downtown Disney because the tram driver had said that they closed at 1 a.m., but we oh. went and they were already closed. The tram was? So you guys had to walk back to your car? No, no, no. Those, the like big Disney store on downtown Disney. Oh, yeah. I thought they closed at 12. Well, there's, I mean, sometimes they close at 1, so we were like, the fuck? Their hours change a lot, it feels like. No, it's just certain days they close at, most of the time they close at 12, and then uh -huh. there's some nights where they do 1 a.m. or 2 a.m. Maybe like Saturday nights or something? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that makes more sense, because we've definitely showed up to that Starbucks in downtown Disney at like 11.50 before, and like the doors were locked, but everything else was open, and I was like, I swear we've lost, walked past this building like later than this before. Mm-hmm. No, we're I too think dumb depends. to look at signs, so we just were like, we don't know what's happening. Yeah, it depends, because I'm pretty sure I've been there past midnight, and they've been yeah. open. It's probably, yeah, probably a weekend or something. I don't know. Probably, but yeah, so we were all kind of bummed, because we were like, damn, like, we all wanted to, like, get souvenirs. Get some, like, matching ears or something to celebrate. Mm -hmm. And then the lines to get on the tram was, like, horrible. Awful. And everyone was tired, and they were... I was basically, like, everyone's tour guide. They were, like... Also, I, like, drank, like, one drink. Ooh, so you were hammered. Yeah, I was hammered. And <laughs> my, I think my cousins got to see a side I don't usually show them. No one sees it. You don't drink very often. I don't drink very often, but I obviously, you know... Like, I was actually, like, dancing and stuff, and they were, hey. like... Like, wow, because I'm not one to dance, especially before i think it was mostly to do with me just feeling uncomfortable because mm -hmm. like i know before you're out yeah before coming out i would like never want to dance i'm like hell no i'm gonna sit in this chair and watch you guys like i hated <laughs> when they would try to get me to dance like mm -hmm. i was just not for it just not but comfortable. Now, yeah not comfortable at all and now that i'm more comfortable like in a way i feel like you know i'm becoming myself a little more 
because good i know when i was little like they used to tell me how i used to like love to like sing and dance and like, <laughs> just be the most i guess and like i kind of like went away the older i grew mm-hmm. but now i feel like it's like coming back to me you know like the little kid is like yeah showing back, baby yeah ba- basically <laughs> the showman so like, is back <laughs> But yeah, it was nice. Had a fun time. We got home at like 2 in the morning. Fuck. And I debated on not going to school. But I was like, damn, I can't leave them hanging because we had a drag show. Oh, hell yeah, dude. Yeah. Oh, my God. It was the best. It was so so fun. It was so fun. Were you guys like doing each other's hair and makeup? Because you guys are, I mean, like, especially cosmetologists, they are literally learning makeup and stuff. Yeah. I mean, oh, so literally cool. only like five people actually participated. One of them was an educator, but I mean, you don't it was need, still... need that many people put on a good drag show. <laughs> yeah, you don't. It was definitely a lot of fun. That sounds so cool. <laughs> they just, yeah, it was cool. So, yeah, in the morning, we basically like started off like normal school. Like we had to like do some procedures and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then since I'm part of student council, like. My teacher just let me, like, clean up early, basically. Nice. To, like, help set up. And then I started decorating. And we, like, wrote on the board. I think I posted it on my Snap. And it was just, like, a bunch of, like, you know, like, be, be you, stuff like that. Like, little, little motivating memes. words. Yeah. Like, I wrote, I drew a little ghost and it said, boo sexual. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> but I, I did the by, like, colors on it. Yeah. And then I, like, drew during Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> i drew baymax with like rainbow oh, and i cute. called it i called it gay max <laughs> but I like yeah, all the puns. basically yeah <laughs> basically we just did a lot of stuff like that and decorated the whole whiteboard that's um, so cute yeah put up decorations were you and one also, of the drag queens i was not come on i was more on like the planning side like actually doing the work like i set up i mean i had help but i set up the chairs um, okay i was like in charge of the music and i went around to all the like people that were participating i'm like what's gonna be your drag name and they were like oh this and then i like wrote down their song to come out to too you were planning the event you had no time to participate <laughs> basically basically because the one of the other student council members was participating, so I was like, "Oh, you know, oh, nice! You participate, and we'll like I'll help organize." Hell yeah, that um, sounds so fun! But yeah, it was a lot of fun, and, and I was just dying the whole time. <laughs> but I'm like really happy that some people participated, or else it would have been boring. I'm glad you said like five people were in drag. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, I think that's a decent amount. Yeah, but most of them didn't do, like, full-on drag. It was just kind of like, like, they put makeup on and a wig. But Come on, you have to go full-on. It's because I think there was only, like, one person that actually knows how to do drag makeup. I'm like, I want to see those eyebrows all the way up middle <laughs> of your forehead. Right? <laughs> so, yeah, I guess it wasn't really, like, a drag drag show, but it was still cool. It was... A uh, first timer's attempt at a drag show. Yeah, <laughs> for people who didn't know how to do drag makeup. It's all right. Still sounds it fun. It was fun. Yeah, it was fun. 
But yeah, I'm just fucking tired because I last night I didn't really go to bed either until. Well, because I got we got home Thursday like at two. I went went to bed by like two, and then I woke up at like seven to go to school or like get Today's ready. Today's Saturday school. for reference, everyone. Yeah, and then Friday, yeah, I woke up at like seven, and then I didn't go to bed until like close to eleven. I think it was like ten something, and then. I mean, I did sleep twelve hours, but I I feel. But still, <laughs> I still feel tired. Like <laughs> I woke up at like ten. <laughs> I know I slept like nine hours, and I'm still like, oh, should I take a nap today? Yeah. You know, guess what I did yesterday? What'd you do? Like nine hours after you left, I arrived at Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. You texted me. Yeah, that's also I thought it was funny that you were at Disney because I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. But uh dude, it was so fucking hot. Okay, your thing was oh at my night. Oh god. It was still hot though cuz we yeah. we got there at like 5 and it was so hot. I regretted not wearing shorts cuz I was wearing no uh, jeans. No. Why would you I don't know. I like just figured it would get like a little cold. Yeah, maybe like but 4 nope. hours in. Nope. <laughs> it was very hot. I was wearing like workout shorts. And a sports bra and like a looser shirt because it was hot and like my hair was up. I could still feel the sweat just dripping down my back. It was nasty. Damn. And we set ourselves up for failure here. Robert works nights. He got off work at 7 a.m. I picked him up and we drove to Disneyland. Oh, shit. He'd already been awake for, let me see, for 20 hours by the time we got to Disney. It was so hot. We bought the fast passes, which are like $20 each. We went on three rides. The rides were cool because like they're all indoors. It was the, have you ever seen like, what's like that Sparta movie where they kick people into the pit? Mm-hmm. I promise this will make sense. 300. 300. Yeah. Uh, also last night I was trying to talk about a stream and I called it Spartica and people were making fun of me. I was like, <laughs> I don't know where the fuck I got that from. <laughs> But in Haunted Mansion, there's a room that you're in and like the doors open up and it's like an octagon shaped room with it's just elevators and you just like walk into this room. Bro, tell me why there was like five old people in front acting like they were about to be kicked into the pit from 300. They were staying there for at least seven seconds just staring at the floor in this room. I think their eyes weren't adjusting to the darkness so much that employee was like having to flash and be like, walk in. I'm like, you guys, they're not just going to dump you into a pit like you're walking onto a floor. It was so, it was long enough that Robert and I were like, bro, what the fuck are they doing? (laughs) (laughs) But the highlight of the whole Disney day was in line at Haunted Mansion. We got a lean against the walls and they were nice and cool. And uh, we only went on Astro Blasters, Star Tours, Haunted Mansion. We're like, fuck, it's hot. We don't want to like go on any rides unless we can get them quickly. So we're going to go to California Adventure. But we couldn't use our fast passes there yet because we couldn't switch parks till 1 p.m. Mm. We just left. We just drove home. Damn. After going on three rides, being there for like three hours, we were like, honestly, we should just take the L. Like, this is not worth it. Yeah. It was that hot. We forgot whenever we bought the passes too. We were like, in summer, let's only go at night. And we're like, yeah, for sure. Summer comes, what do we do? Go on a day when it's 90 degrees. <laughs> yeah, the, it's it was really hot. It's yeah. hot now. I was I actually just got out of the pool. Oh, really? I'm mm-hmm. jealous. We have a pool, yeah. but it's not open. Yeah, cuz I mean, I thought we were going to go to work today, but 
wifey said no. Um, I wanted so. to, yeah, I wanted to go to Instacart today, but I, I was sick last week and I still have a lingering cough and I don't think people would take it as lingering if they heard me coughing while carrying up their groceries. Yeah, definitely not. Yeah. At Disneyland, I was nervous about it too because like, I don't, I'm not sick. I took a COVID test, you know, I don't have COVID. It's just like, you know, coughs always stay longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was so worried that people at Disneyland were like disgusted by me. I was wearing a mask. Bro, these like nasty ass people right behind me, not wearing masks, are just like coughing into the air, just like violently. And I'm like, oh, oh my damn. God. Oh my no. God. Gross. <laughs> it was gross. <laughs> but yeah, uh, wouldn't go to Disneyland on a hot day. We were also talking about how it sucks for people who like, this is the only one, the only or one of the only times they'll go to Disneyland in their life and they have to go on a June day when it's like 91 degrees and just deal with it and crowded. Yeah, that sucks. But uh, Robert made a good point. He was like, I feel like it's such a millennial thing. Like, our parents would probably be like, we paid to come here. We're staying here all day, whether or not we fucking hate our lives. And meanwhile, we're just like, you know what? We tried it. We're going to take the L. This is not worth it. It's not worth it to hate our lives all day to stay here. True. (laughs) It was not worth it. And then we were going to go to this vegan food place in Santa Ana after. And we went and opened up their door because it looked like they were closed. And the counter was missing. So either they're renovating or they're just fucking closed forever. So we just found a random place to get tacos. <laughs> they were yeah, they were good, but I was sad about that place because they had like mozzarella sticks and stuff, which is so hard to find. True. I mean, less less hard now, but yeah. And Robert uh, drove us there and drove us home and was awake for 30 hours before I looked over while streaming and he was asleep in his chair, slouched over. Damn. Yep. When I ended my stream at 3 a.m., went to the room and he was like, what time is it? And I told him, he's like, okay, I'm going to get up. He woke up at 3. I'm like, what is? Why? Why? Because he was like, I've already slept like five hours or six hours. And I'm like, that's not a lot of hours. You were awake for like 30 hours. That doesn't compare. It does not. And then I guess he took a nap for an hour. I didn't wake up till noon. And uh, now he's like working overtime shift. Not not till seven in the morning at least. But still, I'm like, your sleeping pattern's insane. Damn. I guess it makes sense because like he works until seven in the morning. So it kind of doesn't make sense for him to sleep until morning. Because then like in 24 hours, he's going to have to be finishing his shift. I don't know. I don't know how he keeps a normal schedule. Oh, I was going to tell you. You know, I play a lot of old school RuneScape. Mm-hmm. They did a Pride event. They did a Pride oh, event what? previously in 2017 that went so badly. This is before I was there. They went so badly that they just didn't do a Pride event for four years. I guess people were like dressing up in white robes, like mimicking the KKK oh, no. and shit. And uh, this year there was still like... They were calling themselves rioters in the game. Bro, literally, this event was you walk up to a leprechaun and he's like, I'm trying to add more flowers to the game. And we're like, okay, I'll help you. And uh, in the process, I met a nice gay couple and helped them get their lesbian friends to admit their feelings for each other. The word gay was never uttered, but like, they were like, they have feelings for each other. And they're like, yeah, remember when we got together? People were losing their minds. This is apparently the most out there thing they've ever seen in their goddamn lives. Oh, my gosh. They're like, 
losing it. And the reward for this event, it was just like a flower crown with rainbow colored roses. And people were like, oh my God, think of the children. Think of the children wearing these crowns. Think of the trans children in the world right now. I know. I mean, no one thinks about the children in this game. There's like a known, a mini game that's known that there's just a bunch of like fucking neo-Nazis that hang out there that get banned every day for saying the N-word and shit. Damn. Yeah. People are disgusting online. But mm-hmm. yeah. In real life too. In real life too. These are real people as well. Uh, there was a pride parade though, which was cool because the last one, I guess like there was, okay, wait, let me backtrack a little bit. There was cute little Easter eggs during the event. There's one mod in the game that, like, works behind the scenes called, like, Mod Wolfie, and they're gay, and uh, they had a little character who was, like, wearing a wolf hat and stuff, and it was supposed to be, like, a reference to them because they received a lot of the backlash last event because they're, like, probably one of the only openly gay mods. And then the other references, the two uh, the two sets of gay couples, the women were named Marsha and Sylvia, references to Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia mm-hmm. Rivera. And then the men, I don't, I didn't hear these people's names before, but they were also referencing to like uh, gay men from like LGBTQ history. Okay. It was very cool. I'm That's like, cool. all right, Marsha and Sylvia weren't together, but I get where you're going with this. <laughs> also, both these characters are white ladies, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah progress. Still there. Yeah. And uh, yeah, then they did a pride parade the next day and it was cool. I guess like, I was asleep for it because they did it at uh, 10 a.m. for me. I saw a lot of jokes because it's in the UK. So it was like 4 p.m. there. I saw a lot of jokes calling Jagex, which is the company that owns RuneScape, homophobic for hosting an event before 10 a.m. And I was like, I agree. This is really homophobic of them. <laughs> I'm like, why would you do this to me? <laughs> but I heard that it was really nice. There was some shitty people. But I've been told by everyone there that the shitty people were very far and few between. And they were all like getting banned immediately. And that it seemed like there was a lot of homophobic backlash. But it wasn't really that much. It was just a lot of the same people yelling really loud into the void about it. Mm. So I'm excited. Because there was some stuff. I mean, I'm also like annoyed. I, I named my stream Happy Pride after that, which is like the third time I've named my stream Happy Pride this month. I just was extra feeling after the event. And somebody came in the stream and was like, what do you even have to be proud about? And I, I dead ass answered them because I was too lazy to block them. And then I was talking about like, oh, I should make sure I don't have COVID. It's just a cold. And they're like, did you know that the flu kills more people than COVID? And I'm like, bro. Robert just immediately banned them and was like, I'm too tired for this shit today. Like, we're not doing this. <laughs> Another person showed up and simply said, fuck your pride. And I was like, okay, banned? Like, what, what the fuck am I going to do about that? <laughs> so people are really fun. Internet's fun. But I didn't want to share there was a pride event. It was very cute. And hopefully next year, hopefully they don't stop doing it. I kind of feel like they pussied out doing it four years ago. And they're like, there's backlash. Let's not do it again. I'm like, no, keep doing Probably. it until these people don't want to play the game. True. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully it's back. One like big thing about RuneScape is that people vote stuff into the game. Like if they're going to add a new boss to the game, they'll make like a polling system. It has to have 75% of people say, yeah, we want this new boss. They don't do that with events. There's like Christmas and Halloween events and Easter events. They just add those all in. 
And people were like, well, I don't care that it was a Pride event. I just care that I couldn't vote it in. And everyone's like, when have you ever voted in an event like this? That's not a thing. You clearly just care because it's gay. True. Let's say you weren't complaining about the Halloween event, were you? Yeah. I'm like, if you were complaining about the Halloween and Christmas and Easter every single year since the game started, sure, complain. But uh, I don't think you were. <laughs> mm. Anyway, that's my little rant because it's annoying. It was like happy and then it's bittersweet because people are just dicks. <laughs> are we going to talk about our and Roe v. Wade? Roe v. Wade was uh, overturned yesterday. We live in California, so we're going to... Everyone's been like, okay, I obviously want to move. And I've had people be like, oh shit, you should definitely move down. And it does make me want to move more. But I also know I'm coming from a privileged place of living in California. And I don't think abortion will ever be outlawed in California. Like no, I, I mean, Gavin Newsom just posted about it and basically said he just signed a bill or law, whatever, that Alaris read it to me. But he basically said, like, it's basically California will be a safe haven for anybody that needs to and that they won't work with any other, like, state to try to, like, prosecute you if you come and do it over here. Yeah. It's fucking upsetting. I had people, like... I had to, like, also tell people last night. I couldn't tell what people were trying to say on the stream. I streamed last night. But uh, people were definitely making it seem like they weren't pro-choice, low-key. And I just, like, made a blanket statement of being, like, if you're not pro-choice, like, I'm not going to be, like, oh, forgive and forget. Like, we don't have to agree. Like, just unfollow me. I don't want you here. <laughs> yeah. Then everyone had to be, like, oh, no, I think you misunderstood. Because I was, like, yeah. Because if you guys say that shit, you're out. You're done. Donezo. We're not friends. I don't know. It's just ridiculous because I know this is basically the start of downhill. I mean, the start was hard. has already well, started. There's been so much well, anti-trans right. stuff. Yeah, that literally just one happened this today in Alabama. They basically banned, like, gender-affirming, like, care. Oh, I saw something like that. I don't even think it's Alabama. I saw like someone wanted to do that in a different state. It's fucking awful. I want to move out of the U.S. You should move out of the U.S. Can we all just abandon? Why does it cost so much money to move? I want us all to just abandon ship. Piece the fuck know, out of here. I just saw it on TikTok about Alabama. I was like, whoa, damn. Yeah, I'm very angry about it. And I was definitely ranting about it last night. Somebody just so very casually. I mean, my only social interactions now are streaming. So that's why I keep bringing up a stream. Hmm. <laughs> but someone was like, so uh, how about that Roe v. Wade? And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm mad. <laughs> I'm like, I, I do appreciate how casually they were like, so abortions, am I right, ladies? <laughs> you right. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. It's stupid. And it sucks because even if people can come to California, now they could be literally prosecuted. For doing that. They could get the abortion. But who the fuck knows what's going to happen after that. Mm -hmm. It's scary. And I don't know what to do with it. Other than to say donate to abortion funds. Planned Parenthood has enough money. Like they're probably chilling right now. Find like local ones. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was another thing. I was ranting about in stream. And people were like kind of complaining. About how being called cishet makes them feel bad. They feel like it's derogatory. I had to be like, it's not derogatory. It felt very like, like such like a trying to placate a child almost. I'm like, you guys know what the word means. You know, it's not a bad thing. 
you know, it's usually used in situations where people who are cisgender and heterosexual are trying to treat people in the LGBTQ community like shit. So stop complaining. <laughs> Basically, I was getting sassy last night. Should have been there. It's a good time. Damn, should have. But, but I don't think anyone was really giving me shit for it. I got some you go girls, which was nice. <laughs> I appreciate it. I have a lot, like since starting the stream, I've actually made a lot more friends like in the LGBTQ plus community that also play RuneScape. It's nice. Most of them do not live in places like California, which scares me for them. But still. Yeah, it's very sad. Definitely. Well... I don't know how to casually move this on to the next thing I was going to say. <laughs> Doing um, another sponsorship, bro. Another, another one. Another, another one. one. <laughs> another one. Oh, so was it legit with those 34 people? They never responded. So what? anyone who didn't hear, we had a sponsorship with a food service called Faction. Faction oh, Factor. Why do I keep saying Faction? And uh, supposedly 31 people, I have no idea who they are, ordered it. And I'm not going to get $4,000 in August. We don't know if it's legitimate. They've never emailed us back asking if it's legitimate. So we're just waiting and seeing if I am going to have a savings account again. If I am going to be able to pay my taxes next year. We're going to find out later. They still haven't said anything else about it. Damn. But the new one that we have is for a mobile game called Star Trek Fleet Command. It's going to be over by the time this podcast comes out, but I'm so excited. But we're not getting as much people, so I might actually have you do this. We need to have at least 10 people get to level 5 of this game to get paid at all. We'd get paid $150. We've only had 7 people join. I texted my whole family about it, and no one responded. I'm going to have to start doing individual phone calls soon. <laughs> I'm like a fucking yeah. politician trying to get is money it, whenever I have a sponsorship. <laughs> is it like on the, like, you said mobile game? It is a mobile game, yeah. I'll send you the link later, but uh, it's basically you just use my QR code or the link to the app store for me, and then you get to level five. It's kind of cool. It's a different game because the other game, we were doing Raid Shadow Legends previously for a few sponsorships, and people really... That game is polarizing because people feel like it's uh, predatory in how much they ask you to like buy shit. But like I'm used to mobile games, so it doesn't feel predatory to me because I'm just like, all right, I'm just not going to buy it. <laughs> mm -hmm. So it's nice that this time I wasn't receiving any messages of people like, if this wasn't you, I'd be unfollowing because I was like a little uh, sad to hear last time. <laughs> yeah. So far, everyone seems chill about this new Star Trek game. It's actually pretty fun, too. Yeah, I'll bother you about it. Maybe I'll have you bother Alaris. We'll see what happens. Okay. Yeah, I need to call my mom. I, it's like no one responds to my fucking text. And I'm like, oh, you guys think I won't call you? <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> but have you heard about our Lord and Savior, Star Trek Fleet Command? <laughs> <laughs> because otherwise, if I don't get 10 people, we don't get paid at all. So I'd like to get 10. Try to get Robert to tell people too, but he like doesn't. I don't know if he's like too proud to ask or what. So he never asked. And I'm like, just ask them. Just do it. Just do it. I'm shameless. That's good. Yeah. You got to be shameless if you're trying to make money from fucking like content creation, basically. Yeah. There's no subtle way to do this. <laughs> but yeah, those are those are my big things going on. We got 
some highs, lows. I try to bring it back up to a high, but now we're going to go low into our stories again. <laughs> it's a roller coaster. I mean, every week it's a fucking roller coaster. True. All right. Well, I'm going to talk about the murder of Jason Gage. Okay. Jason Edwin Gage was a 29-year-old gay man who was murdered in his Waterloo, Iowa apartment. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we don't have uh, music in the background, so we have to do it ourselves sometimes. Yeah. I don't, I'm not that skilled at audacity. <laughs> Jason Gage was last seen alive on March 11th, 2005, socializing with friends in Waterloo's downtown bars. Sometime that night, he went home to his apartment in Russell Lamson Building. With him was 23-year-old Joseph Lawrence. Jason was born on March 1st, 1976 in... I'm going to butcher this. Oh, Let's go. Owen, Iowa. Probably. That's what we're going to go with. Yeah, we're going with it. He lived in Chicago and Milwaukee before moving to Waterloo years earlier. He settled downtown and worked waiting tables at an Italian restaurant of his apartment building. And he was enrolled at the College of Hair Design in Waterloo, Iowa. Hey, also a hair person. Yeah, I was... I was, like, reading just different stories, and I was like, oh, my God. You're like, I know what they're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> His friends say that he dreamed of working in a big city salon, like, in New York. Oh. He wanted to do cut and color. They say that he did not have any enemies, just friends, and plenty of them. He was vivacious and an outgoing waiter with a quick wit and a ready smile. Friends and coworkers say Gage worked two jobs and would often take time off from school if he felt he needed. Gage was also determined to na- navigate life and s- relationships his way on his terms. Period. <laughs> <laughs> a free spirit, a risk taker, and his friends loved him for it. But yeah, I guess he was, they do say, like, he was very, like, flamboyant, just very persistent, but it was always, like, there for people like he cared very mm-hmm. loving okay uh, now i'm going to talk a little bit about joseph which is okay. who he was last seen with okay joseph was born in seaford delaware he was removed from his birth parents after severe abuse and spent several years in foster care before being adopted at the age of five he moved in with his adopted parents to maryland new jersey and then to Ohio. During his time in Ohio, he decided he no longer wanted to be adopted and moved back into foster care at the age of 16. Which is crazy. I didn't know you could do that. I didn't either. Because I... Isn't there like a fucking reputation that... I mean, an earned reputation that a lot of foster kids are put into shitty homes? I, ma- yeah. I imagine it's hard. I don't know. Yeah. I wonder how that worked. I've, I'm not that informed on the foster system i just know that a lot of kids end up in shitty foster homes yeah me neither and i'm assuming it's different depending on what state that's very true too yeah from there he moved to phoenix arizona and then on to new mexico in early 2003 joseph moved from farmington new mexico where 
He had been an oil worker to Cedar Falls, Iowa, to be with his girlfriend, Elizabeth Hostiller, who was six months pregnant with their child. Oh, wow. The couple, who had been together for a year, decided to move to Cedar Falls because Elizabeth had, quote, many lifelong friends in the area who could help with the baby. Okay. <laughs> it takes a village. It, it does. <laughs> Elizabeth says she introduced Jason and Joseph about a week before Jason's murders. Elizabeth had met Jason through an acquaintance and had known him for about two years. Witnesses said that Jason and Joseph were together the night Jason was killed. They were seen at the King, Kings and Queens, the local gay club, before heading to an after-hours party at the Times Bar. The two left at some point and headed back to Jason's apartment. According to Elizabeth, Jason told Joseph that he could wait for a ride at his apartment two blocks away from the Times Bar. A female friend and roommate of Elizabeth's said Joseph called late Friday or early Saturday asking for a ride from downtown because he didn't like the hospitality of the place. <laughs> And needed a ride or she was going to end up in jail. Oh! Mm -hmm. The first part was fine. The second part got much more intense there. Mm -hmm. An investigator said he received a call from a man who had been asked to give Joseph a ride home from a downtown club. Joseph never showed up for the ride and the man said he later heard from Elizabeth that Joseph had beaten up Jason. Oh, fuck. In the early hours of March 12th, phone records show Joseph sent several text messages to friends in Iowa and New Mexico via his cell phone. One read, I just killed a guy, I think. <gasps> a second sent to Michael Bailey in New Mexico flashed, you need to call me soon. A phone conversation between Michael and Joseph occurred in which Joseph said, some guy tried to hit on him really bad and described a fight that got way out of hand. But he also indicated that Joseph may have not known Jason was dead. Oh, so saying that potentially it's not actually murder? Yeah. Or like not first degree murder at least? Yeah. Okay. At 11 p.m. on March 14th, 2005, Jason's body was found in his bed when police entered his apartment after friends expressed their concern that Jason did not show up at work on Monday and had not been seen for three days. Oh, sorry. It's graphic. Jason had been bludgeoned in the head with a bottle, stabbed in the neck with a shard of glass. Hours later, 23-year-old Joseph Lauren of Cedar Falls was arrested and charged with Jason's murder. Police said Joseph admitted that he had fought with Jason, hit him with a bottle, and stabbed him in the neck with a piece of glass. An autopsy revealed that Jason died from severe head injuries. Jason's body lacked any defensive wounds that would suggest he tried to fight him off. So not so much a fight. Yeah. When police entered Jason's apartment, two glasses were out suggesting that Jason and Joseph had been drinking and watching television. 
Joseph ended up giving a videotaped statement at the Waterloo police station after a plainclothes police officer went to the home he shared with Elizabeth and asked him to come in for questioning. In a police affidavit, Joseph acknowledged hitting Jason twice with a bottle and stabbing him with a piece of glass. Elizabeth offered a motive when she said Joseph told her Jason had made sexual advances. Elizabeth said that Joseph had gay friends, hung out with gay people, and did not have, quote, violent tendencies. I mean, that's like she was that. wrong about one thing. Why can't she be wrong about the others? I'm not racist. I have black friends. Literally. That's, that's what that sounds like. Yep. She said that Jason must have made physical advances. The incident would have never happened had Joseph not been drunk. This was not a hate crime. According to Elizabeth. Okay. The hate crime charge was considered. The oh. Iowa Code does not have a law defining murder based on racial or sexual bias as a hate crime. Murder, regardless of motive, is punishable by life in prison without parole. Another state law mentioned in Joseph's case, titled Violation of Individual Rights, prohibits assaults vandalism and trespass for reasons of race color religion ancestry natural origin political affiliation sex sexual orientation age or disability in trial information formally charging joseph with murder the prosecutor included a theory that joseph killed jason while committing the crime of assault in violation of individual rights so what does that mean exactly he was, basically, like, trying to assault him, and he accidentally killed him? Or no, basically saying, like, I killed him because... Trying to argue his individual rights of, like, he didn't consent to... Being hit on. He, yeah, I guess. There's actually being hit on and being assaulted, though, so I'm like... You could definitely mm. think that he's creepy, but you don't hit someone twice with a bottle and stab them in the neck <laughs> you just like go and tell your friends like oh he's creepy <laughs> yeah or literally but anyways. anything else yeah also i doubt that he was really being creepy to be honest <laughs> yeah i doubt it too he could have just made a subtle pass at him and he's like gay panic gay panic gay panic yeah <laughs> Following Jason's death, the Waterloo Human Rights Commission asked the city council to add sexual orientation protections to the city's human rights ordinance, permissible under Iowa state law. Waterloo Mayor Tim Hurley joined the commission in condemning Jason's murder in a press conference outside the commission's offices but said that he had not formed an opinion on the addition of sexual orientation to the city's human rights ordinances. Even if you don't think that this particular crime is like a hate crime, how fucking stupid do you have to be not just add that in general? Right? What year was this again? 2005. That is too recent for this dumbass it's, shit to be happening. Yeah, like <laughs> 17 years ago? Not that long. My sister was born. Oh, really? Yeah. Cute. That's why I was like, 
17. <laughs> <laughs> I know you got that pretty easy. Yeah, because otherwise I'm not that good at math. I was like, we're not known for our math or our geography or our English. <laughs> it was funny because we all go to beauty school and like sometimes people will randomly be like, are you good at math or like science? And then I'll be like, I, I, I just joke about it now. I'm like, no, that's why we're here, right? Yeah. <laughs> why do you think I'm at beauty school? God. <laughs> but it's just funny because we all joke about it now. That's so funny. Oh, uh, well, basically after his murder... Just the human rights campaign, like, the commission just was behind him. And also, like, all of his friends, his older sister, all were basically pushing for, like, laws and stuff after his death and just showing support after the fact. Good. Um, I think they they even started a scholarship in Jason's name. Mm-hmm. And showed t-shirts and buttons with his image on it to raise money. That's sweet. Yeah. On December 16th, 2005, as part of a plea agreement, Joseph Lawrence entered an Alford plea in the case of Jason Gage's murder. The plea allowed Joseph to avoid admitting guilt while acknowledging that he would likely have been found guilty of Jason's murder and had the case gone to trial. Originally charged with first-degree murder, which would have meant a life sentence without parole, Joseph pleaded to a lesser charge of second-degree murder. As part of the plea agreement, Joseph also waived his right to appeal the plea and the sentence, and to pay $150,000 civil penalty to Jason's estate. Damn. Yeah, I was like, wow. After entering his plea, Joseph added, I have nothing appropriate to say, and sat silent during his sentencing. The judge sentenced Joseph to 50 years, which was the mandatory punishment under Iowa law. And it says that he must serve at least 70%, which is 35 years, of his sentence before he's eligible for parole. Jeez. So he's... Not even halfway, sort of. Yeah, no, it's got a bit to go. <laughs> but yeah, that is the sad story of Jason Gage. I was a little upset I couldn't find more, like, about him. Yep. I only found, like, one article, I think Murderpedia, where they just kind of talked about, like, his co-workers talked about him and classmates, but that was literally it. Like, I'm not sure... I couldn't find much on his family besides, like, that his sister was really supportive and, like, was a big ac- uh, advocate after advocate. his death. Yeah. It sucks whenever people, like, there's no information on their lives and just, like, as far as, like, news goes, their lives was literally just their death and that's it. And I'm like, okay, but they existed before. Yeah, sort of. I'm glad for once. For the first time in a long time, my story, I actually know, like, a lot about their lives. So I feel feel very excited about that. That's cool. But yeah, on that note, I'll just go and start talking about the murders of Laura Winans and Julianne Williams. So Laura Winans, who was nicknamed Lolly, was born on March 9th, 1970 in Detroit, Michigan. She was an only child born into a wealthy family, but she had a really good relationship with her parents. As a child, she later said that she had been repeatedly sexually abused by a trusted adult in her life. And she 
frequently clashed with her surroundings of like yacht clubs and boarding schools. She felt more comfortable outdoors and in nature. Right after finishing high school, she left home to enroll in Sterling College in Vermont. As an adult, Lolly was described in one article as a microbrew drinking, fish following, cigarette smoking, good time girl. She was known to have a great sense of humor, one friend saying that she could keep everyone laughing for hours. One thing that impressed me about Lolly was this outgoing energy that emerged when everyone else is worn down. She loved to dance and listen to music, and she was always down to, like, at the drop of a hat, just go and, like, see a concert for an artist that she liked. More than anything else, Lolly valued her friendships. One friend said that she was one of those people, if something was wrong, no one else would notice it, but she'd look at you and she'd know. We didn't have to say anything. It was understood. Though always being understanding of her friend's struggles, she had a hard time talking about her own, and only really close friends knew that she still suffered from the trauma of her childhood abuse. This trauma gave her problems with alcohol, a submissiveness around authority figures, and eventually led her to drop out of college. Following this, the next few years were filled with some ups and downs. She went on to become engaged to a man and worked various jobs. By 1994, she'd finally begun therapy to deal with her childhood trauma, and according to a friend, she could always see the road ahead of it and getting to a place where she could feel secure and solid. Her engagement was ended, though I'm not 100% sure by who or how it went down, and she picked up and moved six hours away to attend Unity College near Waterville, Maine. This school, which specialized in environment studies and wilderness-based outdoor recreation, led to Lolly throwing herself into the work needed to become a wilderness guide. She had a philosophy centered around challenge education. That's like where students, more than just taking classes, you go and do things like building things, go on outdoor adventures, wake up early to shovel cow manure, just like be very active and outdoorsy. Julianne Williams, who went by Julie, was born on September 11, 1971 in St. Cloud, Minnesota. She had three siblings and was also close to her family. Julie was said by her friends to live an entire lifetime in the little time that she was alive. Growing up, she volunteered at women's shelters, performed community service in Columbia, and competed in tennis, winning the Minnesota State Doubles Tennis Championship, and all of this before she'd even graduated from high school. Following her graduation, she went on to attend Carleton College in Northfield, Minnesota, taking an interest in the school's geology department. She left her classmates' geology and the education that she was taking in. Her academic advisor said that, I've never met anyone who had a clear sense of herself as a learner. She was always questioning. She wanted to see how things fit together. She was a person who had to look carefully at details before she fit them into the larger picture. In 1993, Julie, along with five other geology students, went to Macedonia and Greece to study the relationship between ancient people and their landscape. For hours on end, Julie would stand in the heat and study and chart the sediment in a river valley, carefully keeping notes on what she noticed. Not long after this study project ended, she headed to Italy to study the extinction of dinosaurs. While there, she was mesmerized by the alpine countryside, writing in her journal, This evening, as we neared the mountains, after crossing the broad plain, the radio rasped with cheesy Italian rap music and inspiring operas at the same time. After winding up, we reached the pass and were awed by the face of the Dolomites, which is a mountain. I tried to keep my eyes on the road as we passed flowing, rushing mountain streams and wooden window boxes filled with pink, green, and red. 
Though she loved her time in Europe and enjoyed her studies, Julie did still have some doubts about where her academics were leading her in life. She worried if it would be possible for her to find meaning in being a geologist, and her advisor said she wasn't going to be satisfied doing scientific work that did not apply to the lives of people. Also adding to this inner turmoil was that Julie was starting to realize that she was a lesbian. Though she dated men throughout college, she was still very much interested in women, even telling a roommate once, I'm not sure why I'm even dating this guy. I'd rather be with a woman. Denial, 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 Julie. (laughs) Following her college graduation, Julie decided to take a year off to explore all the possibilities before her, eventually moving to Richmond, Vermont, which was just on the outskirts of the bigger city of Burlington. She'd chosen this place in particular because she wanted to live outside a big city and live somewhere that she could comfortably start coming out as a lesbian without getting hostile reactions. She got a job in Burlington at a bookstore and began to amass a circle of close friends. Although most of these friends, funny enough, like actually didn't even know each other. One friend of Julie who she worked with said that she was very, very private. So she had these fragmented friendships all over the place. People who knew pieces of her. Some of these friendships didn't seem like they would have made sense on paper. Like, as this coworker that was friends with her was, like, an outgoing married woman with an interest in fashion. Meanwhile, Julie was just, like, a quiet lesbian who, like, enjoyed wearing her baggy clothes. And one article said she loved preaching about how she uh, didn't want to shave her legs. (laughs) But she just, from what I'm reading, she just, like, kind of got along with all kinds of people. All of her friends could agree that Julie was a sensitive woman who had a skill for seeing people's true self. She enjoyed being around friends, whether it be playing basketball, watching videos, or simply just hanging out. Julie was a Christian, and at first she had a hard time reconciling her sexuality with a faith that notoriously has not been very accepting of LGBTQ plus people. She joined Christ Church Presbyterian, a progressive congregation on the University of Vermont campus, and reached out to the minister Reverend Rebecca Strader in Congregation for Guidance, as she didn't know how God could hate her, but she didn't know how to put the two together. Thankfully, the congregation was very accepting of Julie. She even actually found a few more lesbians that attended this church, and they formed a group that they called Church Ladies to explore how, (laughs) it's very cute, to explore how LGBTQ plus people could feel welcome in religion where historically they'd been rejected. Over time, she found a Bible verse from Jeremiah that finally helped her to understand that God couldn't hate her. The verse is, For surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plan for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. Her minister later said that her hands weren't tied, her mind wasn't tied. She knew how to ask the right questions in terms of struggling with what she was going to do with her life. In terms of career, in terms of sexuality, she seemed very open and searching. So I don't want to paint this as like, all this inner turmoil going on, like, after all this, like, she was having that initially, but she started being like, oh, maybe God does still love me. Like, I can figure all this out. Like, how am I going to help people in life? Hmm. She's on a hopeful path. That's good. Lolly and Julie met around 1994 at Woods Woman, which was a nonprofit organization in Minnesota at the time that focused on education and adventure travel for women. So, while the the two may have had very, very different backgrounds, they both shared a love for the great outdoors. At Woods Woman, they were learning how to run outings for women and children, kicking off the season with rock climbing and canoeing around the Boundary Waters. The first night that they spent together in a tent, along with a third woman, was spent with the pair laughing for hours, totally oblivious to the fact that they were definitely flirting with each other the entire time. 
I'm sure making that third woman very uncomfortable and feeling like a third wheel the entire night. It wasn't until later that Julie began to understand the feelings she had for Lolly were more than that of just a friend, and she confided in others that she saw her like an angel. The two soon after entered into a relationship, and I don't know if it was like their first time being in a lesbian relationship, but it was still pretty new for both of them. Following the internship with Woods Woman, Lolly returned back to Unity College, and now she seemed different, more confident and comfortable. She told friends, I finally realized that I'm a beautiful woman. She also seemed even more at peace being outdoors, with one friend noting that it was almost as if she wasn't trying to overcome what was in the woods. She didn't say, I'm going to climb that mountain. She said, I'm here. I'm on the mountain. Let's see what's around the ridge. I'm here and I'm queer. I'm here and I'm queer and I'm on a mountain. Lolly and Julie would take turns every few weekends driving to see each other. Sometimes they'd just stay home and hang out. Other times they'd head off to the backcountry with packs and tents. While camping alone, they could truly be themselves and be as affectionate as they wanted to be. While away on college camping trips alone, Lolly would stay awake and write Julie letters using the lamp on her head. In this new relationship, they both discovered a new happiness, and Lolly seemed to release all the frustration and anxiety that she'd had for a long time. She really felt a sense of relief to find something that worked for her, not just emotionally, but sexually as well. In her last semester of college, Lolly earned a 4.0 GPA, which is a huge milestone for anyone, but especially considering that she was a former college dropout. It seemed that she had a glow or an aura around her. She was in love, at peace, and confident with herself. While happy as a couple, the women did have some hesitation about who they wanted to come out to. Lolly seemed to accept her newfound identity without much visible conflict. She didn't tell that many people on her campus, but she didn't hide her relationship from her friends. Julie struggled a bit more as, like I said earlier, she did initially have like more spiritual questions and she was waiting for the right time to tell her parents. She was concerned about telling them because they had their own things going on and she didn't want to burden them. It didn't even sound like she was worried about them being homophobic. She's like, I, they just have so much going on. <laughs> can't talk about myself. By May of 1996, after around two years together, the woman had plans to move in and found a house in Huntington, Vermont, where they planned on having lots of summer fun with friends, barbecuing together, and taking in their views. In late May, they had plans to hike through Shenandoah National Park with their dog, Taj, but Lolly promised a friend that she'd be back by June 1st for her wedding and for a new job that she was supposed to be starting. That's actually why they're going on a trip. It was just like, Kind of like little last big trip to celebrate her getting a job. She also confided in her friend that she now believed dreams do come true and that she was really at a place she wanted to be. The couple had a meticulous itinerary for their trip as they wanted to take in as many extraordinary sights as they possibly could. The hike began on May 19th, the day that Lolly and Julie entered the park and stopped to view Pinnacle's overlook on Skyline Drive. They continued out along the White Oak Cannon Trail, passing boulders and waterfalls along the way. The following two days, it rained in the park. Uh, the women were able to hitch a ride with a park ranger and renew their camping permit before setting out once again when the rain was done. Together, they climbed Hawksbill, the park's highest peak, and marveled at the views from the observation deck upon it. That night, they made camp about half a mile off Skyline Drive near the Appalachian Trail. Their trip's timeline becomes less clear at this point, as the last sighting of them was on May 24th, and until then, there had been pictures then undeveloped on their camera, showing what they'd been up to. By May 28th, Julie's father, Thomas, began to go concerned when her daughter still not reported back from the trip. 
both of the women, and my impression is that the parents knew about the girlfriends, but they thought they were just friends. He knew that they were both very experienced hikers and campers, so immediately this was like a red flag that she had not said she was back. After his fears grew for a few days, Thomas finally reported the women as missing on May 31st, 1996. A search by park rangers began, and they were soon able to locate the car belonging to women just north of Skyland Lodge. They began hastily searching all the nearby trail corridors in the general area to find any signs of the women, and at one point they stumbled upon Taj, the woman's golden retriever, who was alive and well but wandering around unleashed and alone. This helped narrow down the search a bit, and the next evening, June 1st, 1996, the bodies of Lolly and Julie were found at their campsite. Lolly was 26 years old at the time of her death, and Julie was just 24. Lolly had been found inside the tent, and Julie in her sleeping bag about 40 feet away and down an embankment. Both of the women had been bound, gagged, and had their throats slashed. While they were partially undressed, there were no signs that they had actually been sexually assaulted, at least. No belongings of theirs had been taken, making it clear that robbery was not the motive here. They were camped down on Bridal Trail, which was part of like a horse trail system that runs from an area called Big Meadows to Skyland. And, a, and they like specifically chose this calm little area next to a stream. And police speculated later that the noise from the stream potentially may have covered up sounds of their killer approaching them. They're only half a mile from Skyland Lodge, which I mentioned previously, and this was like a popular gathering place for campers and hikers as it boasted a bar, restaurants, there was even cabins for people to stay. It seemed hard to believe to anyone that less than a 10-minute hike away from this destination, which was probably busy, it was literally the weekend after Memorial Day, two young women had been brutally murdered and no one had seen or heard anything. But there were regulations set in place at the time that pretty much required campers to be out of sight of others when staying in the park. So based on that, I can assume that it was like a bit of a hidden spot. Within days of the woman being found murdered, Julie's church had begun to receive calls from reporters following up on a big rumor surrounding the case. Were these two victims a couple? Neither of the women had been super open about the relationship, and this left Julie's minister with a dilemma. Did she out the couple and possibly make their families uncomfortable finding out about their sexual rotation through the news? Or did she deny it, which wouldn't give an adequate warning to local people and LGBTQIA plus community about, like, dangers they could possibly face? And I should note, it's not uncommon at all for murder victims to have their sexual orientation disclosed. But this, what I based on what I read, it's usually more of a thing when it's, like, 100% apparent that they were victims of a hate crime. And at this point, they didn't know shit. They didn't know if it was a hate crime. They didn't know what was what. You know, they just knew that they died. The minister was quoted as saying, once Julie was gone, was it my responsibility to keep her parents comfortable or was it my responsibility to the whole community? For a week, she talked with members of her congregation, both queer and straight alike, and decided to go along with the general consensus that it was the right thing to do to bring attention to the fact that this was possibly an anti-lesbian murder. She said that prior to her decision to out the women, she'd been hearing so much of lesbians who had read the story and they immediately assumed it for what it was a lesbian couple had been murdered, possibly because of their sexual orientation. She couldn't deny this and tell them, oh no, you're totally safe, it's unrelated, when it, like, it's very fucking possible that they were not safe, that this could happen again. The story soon blew up to be about much more than Lolly and Julie, who in a way became martyrs for the LGBTQ plus community, 
that believed they had been victims of a hate crime. One activist spoke, saying, The first motive is hate. It is the most likely motive. Women are killed for being women, and gay people are killed for being gay. When the news first hit, this same person said, Every queer person read between the lines and saw a picture that was familiar and grieved about it because it could have been us. While many people, myself included, think that Reverend Schrader made the right decision, some people feared that Lolly and Julie's personal lives were being unfairly shared. One friend was upset as she was watching the news talking about like her murdered friend, and she just kept thinking, God, I know how private she is. The families of the women also had some issues, not necessarily with the fact that their daughters were gay or anything, but that the information was shared with the news. Lolly's father, John, spoke out, saying, To focus on that they were lesbian lovers, I find that distasteful. The press takes a spin, and suddenly you're elevating that aspect of the girls' lives, and you're taking away from the brutal murder. If, in fact, Lolly and Julie were intimate, and through that means they had a cheater relationship, then Lolly's my daughter, and I'd be behind anything that made her happy. Julie's family in particular were mostly upset that their daughter felt that she couldn't confide in them about being a lesbian. But they were also upset at Reverend Schrader for breaching Julie's confidentiality and telling the press. They themselves avoided interviews, but they did speak to a family friend who said that they still feel it was a personal violation, but they're not at all shying from the fact. It didn't make a difference to them because Julie was a wonderful person. And I, I want to say, like, I get where the family friends are coming from, like, you don't want to out people, of course, and especially because they weren't totally out and they're private people. But also, I definitely think it was the right decision. Like, what if there had been a serial predator that was seeking out gay women and just like no one would know? I, the truth, literally could have put people in danger. And also, who's to say that they would have wanted their relationship to be a secret even after they died, you know? But you can, I mean, you could obviously still say the opposite, that they could have not wanted people to know, but... It just makes me so sad to think that, I mean, I'm probably, I'm sure there's so many cases where people have died and they're like, yeah, these friends were killed and we'll just never know that they were a couple just because people kept it a secret, you know? Yeah. And I think it also makes me sad for personal reasons because I hate the idea of dying and I could see so many people doing this just pretending like I wasn't bi and please God. It's like a fucking part of my identity that I talk about often. You better be like, oh, yeah, that dead bi girl. I swear to God. You better. <laughs> That's how I want to be referred to. <laughs> that dead, dead bi girl. Because <laughs> I just know people will be like, oh, especially if I like am with Robert when I die. And they'll be like, oh, well, she was with a man. We don't have to say it. No, I hate that. I hate it so much. Just make sure everyone knows. <laughs> you got it. Lolly and Julie's murders still remain unsolved to this day. Initially, police thought that perhaps someone known to the woman had committed the murders. They even asked Lolly's fiance, past fiance, for a polygraph test, though it doesn't seem like this actually led to anything. A main suspect emerged in a Maryland resident named Daryl Rice when he was arrested in July of 1997 for attempting to abduct a woman bicyclist in the very same park that the women were killed in. In this particular case, he ran the woman off the side of the road and he tried to drag her into his truck. When he wasn't able to get her into his car, he tried to run her over, but thankfully she was able to escape. He ended up pleading guilty to this crime and was sentenced to 11 years in prison. Rice was known for being sexist and, and homophobic. He later told police how he hated gay people and he preyed on women because they're more vulnerable than men. He had poor relationships with his female co-workers, who he would subject to verbal harassment. 
He also allegedly committed several physical and verbal assaults against women that he would select by random. In April 2002, Rice was charged with Lolly and Julie's murders. He denied being in the park at the time of their deaths, though he could be seen on videotape entering it on May 25th and May 26th, and a witness also placed him there around the time that they'd been killed. He certainly didn't help his own case by telling police that Lolly and Julie had deserved to die because they were lesbian whores. Despite all of this seemingly evidence, police were unable to match Rice's DNA to all their physical evidence, including a hair that was on Lolly's bindings and more DNA evidence found at the scene. So in 2004, the murder charges against him were dropped due to a lack of evidence. Uh, Rice was actually later connected to the murder of another woman, Alicia Showalter Reynolds, and the attempted abductions by a predator nicknamed the Route 29 Stalker. In 2005, he pled no contest to one of the stalker victims, but he was never charged in Alicia's case. Another suspect of the murders that I saw on one website, so take this grain of salt, uh, was Richard Evanitz. It's literally not known what evidence connects him to this case. Uh, all I could find was that he took his own life in 2002 as police were about to arrest him for committing three other murders. The murders of Lolly and Julie were even considered to be connected to the murders of another lesbian couple who had been killed a decade before in 1986 in eastern Virginia. The victims of this case, Kathleen Thomas and Rebecca Dowski, had also been bound and had their throats slashed, though they are more so considered to be the first victims of a serial killer, actually, named the Colonial Parkway Killer, who primarily killed heterosexual couples. Like, potentially, he just thought that they were straight and, uh, killed them because they were there as of 2022 the murders of lolly winans and julie williams still remain unsolved while family and friends of the women still grieve for them and await justice for their killings they take a small piece of comfort knowing that the women died together not alone the fact that they didn't have to go through the pain of losing each other that they're together now i think of that says one friend and that is it for my story damn I was surprised because I found a lot of information and everyone knows, like I said, my first place I look is Wikipedia. There wasn't even a Wikipedia on them. But one article had so much information about their lives. I was very excited about it. That's cool. That's weird. Yeah. I think it was an article for Out Magazine, so it makes sense. Oh. <laughs> yeah. They yeah. actually care about gay people there. Yeah, they actually like, put the <laughs> work in. Yeah. <laughs> but I really appreciated that because I... It sucks whenever I have to be like, they liked outdoors, the end. We know nothing more. <laughs> I'm glad I was able to see so much quotes from like their friends and Julie's minister and people who knew them. But yes, that is going to be it for this week. If any of you want to email us any of your own personal stories, suggestions, recommendations, you can at thespookyshit.pod at gmail.com. Our Twitter and Instagram are spookyshit underscore pod and our website is spookyshit-pod.com. Appreciate you all listening as always. I think that this is actually going to be the last Pride episode that we put out this year. Damn. Sure, we'll have some more accidental Pride ones later. True. We're like, we're never going to talk about gay person ever again. Nah. Nah. We probably will very shortly. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, hope you all had a great Pride month. It's been a hard one. But hope it was still good. Hope it still has some light in it. Despite abortion rights being taken away. And if you play a video game, a bunch of shitty people. Still, if you had a good month. <laughs> True. 
And on that, we'll see you all next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you for listening. Thanks. <laughs>